0: Okay, so if you could rise for the reading of God's Word, we are in First uh, John. We're going through First John, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. If you need a Bible, uh, please raise your hand. Anyone need a Bible and an usher will run to you. you got to raise your hand nice and high. So I'm getting myself ready up here. I think maybe just one more week on this seat. Thank you. So, First John Chapter Three, oh, thank you. We will be in verse sixteen. First John Chapter Three, verse sixteen. Rather, verse fourteen says this, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love because he laid down his life for us. And we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us love in word. Rather, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the wonderful gift of life. And just we just pray and thanks for every single truth that uh, Tanya just presented. It's all from your word. It's all from your mouth, Lord, and we thank you for it, and we thank you, Lord, um, that your word says that in Christ, Lord, even as we bring our darkness to the light... And as we read earlier in this book, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And then as we just read, we then have confidence towards you, to come to you, to listen to you, to learn from you. And Lord, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. Okay, so John, he is really, really serious about this loving each other thing. You know, 50 years before John wrote this letter, John was at the Last Supper, and it was the night before his crucifixion, and Jesus, looking John and the other apostles in the eyes, said to them, he said these words. He said a new commandment, this is John thirteen, thirty four and thirty five. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also may love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. And you know, although John received this admonition from Jesus over 50 years before he wrote this letter, it could just as well have been uttered the day before because it's just burning so intensely in him still, and, that, and that's by the Holy Spirit. It, it's so fresh in his mind, so much uh, uh, did those words still burn like a flame within him. Again, a new commandment I give to you. That you want, uh, uh, love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another by this. All will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So again, here is John writing First John. Uh, 50 or 60 years later, and in this letter, he's just so fearsome, so uh, in a good way, so bold, so intense about this loving one another thing, so much so that he says here in verse uh, 14, we read it, we began with it. He says um, in that verse that loving one another is the mark, it's the evidence of being a Christian, if you don't have love for brothers and sisters in Christ, if you have a coolness towards them, an apathy towards them, if you look down upon them, uh, if you find yourself always bored with them, if you're aggravated, find yourself avoiding them, seriously, you need to question, this is John's words, not mine, whether you are in Christ, whether you are a Christian, whether you really have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you not know that we have passed from death to life? Verse 14 says, because we love the brethren. That's the mark of a Christian. Last part of the verse 14, he who does not love his brother abides in death. Now, if that were not uh, intense enough, he goes on in verse uh, 15, and he says, Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. Now, that doesn't mean that God does not seek out murderers, forgive them, and save them, and give them eternal life. He most certainly does. Moses was a murderer. David was a murderer. Paul, who wrote a third of the New Testament, was a murderer. God, Jesus, sought them out, forgave them, saved them. He does, uh, but what John is saying here in verse 15 is a person who practices murder, hating a brother or sister in Christ, uh, uh, In Christ, John says, and actually Jesus does too in Matthew chapter five, is practicing murder. If you practice hatred or hold on to bitterness, hold on to, yeah, I have that right to hold this onto this. If, if that's you, you may not be saved. John's words, the Holy Spirit's words, not my words. John is serious about this love thing. And, and if you think he talks a lot about love, uh, up to this point in chapter three. He's barely gotten started, this guy. I mean, I mean if, if you move to the next chapter, chapter four, just flip with me. I'm gonna go through this really, really quick. If they're translating... Uh, bendiciones, uh, as you're trying to do this, uh, verse 7 says, beloved, let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, of chapter 4. Verse 8, he who does not love does not know God for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest toward us that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might Live through him. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Skip down to verse 16. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so we are in this world. Therefore, There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, but hates his brother, he's a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? And in this commandment we have from him that he who loves God must love his brother also. Chapter five, verse one, whoever believes that Jesus Christ is uh, is born of God and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him meaning they love the children of God by this we know that we love the children of God that we love God and keep his commandments and so he just goes on and on and on and on so why is he so much into this love one another thing why why so much attention on what Jesus calls the new commandment? That was the first verse we put up on the projection, sc- projection screen. A new commandment I give you, to love one another. Why so much attention on it? I mean, the new commandment to me, I, I think it sounds a lot like the old commandment. Don't you think? What's the old commandment? A Pharisee comes up to Jesus, an expert in the law, and says, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus says, "Love the Lord with all your heart, and your mind, and your soul." The second one's like it: "Love your neighbors yourself." That sounds a lot like that's, that sounds like a lot like the new commandment, which is love one another. And, and, and so, why, why this emphasis on loving one another? Why? The answer is in First John three sixteen, the next verse. I'm gonna take some time with this and explain what I mean by this. It says, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Now, we were in this last Sunday morning, but this is worth the time. Love in the Bible is defined like this, verse 16 of chapter three, 1 John. The son of God, Dying on a cross. Love in the Bible is defined like this. The Son of Jesus the Son of God Jesus dying on a cross. All the love that the discussion of love in the Old Testament is pointing to the cross. All the New Testament, the discussions of love is pointing back back to the cross. Jesus dying on a cross. By this we know love. By this, verse 16 says, by this we recognize love. By this we can figure out if something is love or not. By this we understand love. We, we can identify love. We can say, oh yes, that's love. Love is the son of God dying for you on a cross. And so John says, so you also ought to lay down your life for your brothers and sisters. So why is he so adamant, so intense about this? And this is just on and on and on throughout this whole book. About this loving one another thing. This is it. Because when you love one another the way Jesus loved dying on a cross, when you love one another like that, you are g- giving the dying world a picture of the gospel, a picture of what Tanya just described, a picture of Jesus dying on a cross. Across, cross for them. John, and it's not John, it's Jesus, it's the Holy Spirit, is so adamant about this loving one another thing because when you lay down your life for your brother or sister, it's a picture to the world around you of what's going to save them it's the dying jesus it's the blood of jesus that was uh, that, that was that was shed for their sins you're 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 showing the world the blood of jesus that's what this verse is saying John 14 10 and 11 Uh, rather, 1 John 4, 10, 11, say the same thing. And this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Same thing. Love is Jesus dying on a cross. Now, you guys go and love like this. Now, I hope after last week's Sunday morning message that when you read these words in in verse 16 of John 3, these words, we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. I hope after last Sunday morning's message that when you hear those words, you're not thinking about, well, that means, you know, taking a bullet for my brother in Christ. Man, if I was with some brothers and sisters in Christ and someone came along with a gun and demanded that one person die for everyone else, I'd be the first one to step up to the plate. No. That's not what he's talking about. That's nice that you think that. That's, that's swell <laughs> that, you, that you think that. Uh, 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 but that's not what this verse is talking about. Thinking about the verse like that, listen, this is important, is just an excuse not to love. If that's what you think that this verse is, it's just—it's an excuse not to love. Because the chances of something like that happening are one in a million. And this verse about laying your life down is not talking about things that happen once in a lifetime. It's talking about things that happen every day that you're going to need to love through different things that happen in your life in which you lay down your life and by doing so, you're giving the people around you a picture of Jesus and the blood pouring out on the cross. So one of the brothers in the church was sharing with me here recently about something that happened in his life and it's just about as good an example as any about what I'm talking about. It's just about a good example as any. Verse 16, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay our, da- our lives uh, down for our brethren. So this brother, he's in our church. He's a manager at a a store. You call it that. He has a number of folks, different folks, who work for him. He's a manager. And recently, a customer came into the store demanding a different price for some product that the store sells. And the guy was just uh, um, politely and courteously explaining to the customer that the price that he was asking for was not the price, and and, and he was giving him the proof. And but the but this. Uh, um, but this brother uh, just said, look, sir, you know you know what? I'll just give you the price. Go ahead, take the price. The guy wouldn't leave the issue alone. That wasn't good enough. So he escalated the whole thing. And uh, our Christian brother's a, b- uh, a black brother. This man was white. So the man proceeded to point out that all black people were inferior to white p- people. And if that wasn't bad enough, this guy... Um, his Many of his employees were white. Many of the customers uh, in the store were white. He's saying, you see that guy? He's better than you. You see that woman? She's better than you. You see that uh, guy? That man? He's better than you. And the brother told me that just all this time, he's just praying in the spirit to the Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me be like Jesus. Help me control myself. And, and you know, the guy's continuing. Uh, and, and she too, she's better than you. And, and, and our, our Christian brother just turned to him and she said, he said, you know, sir, have a nice day. And he got up and he walked out. The guy came back a week later. He comes back the next week, starts up the whole thing again, but this time he went from this white person's better than you, that white person's better than you to, you know something, all those black people in Ferguson and Baltimore who got killed, they deserved it. And there was another manager who came in and said, listen, you got, you got to get out of here. Uh, but the guy wasn't letting up, so our Christian brother just stepped up and he said to the guy, you know, when you were here last week, I prayed to God over and over to help me to just let you go without incident. But this week, I'm going to call the police. And by the way, your whole mindset is not going to do anything for this country or the world. And so they called the police and, and the, you know, the guy took off, got a trespass order against him. But listen, here's the point. I was thinking about this whole thing. And I was thinking about this man, our Christian brother, his employees and those customers watching this. Just watching the patience, the self-control, the courage, the long-suffering, watching him lay down his life for this man, but also the people around him, laying down his life. The guy wasn't a Christian brother, but he was laying down himself like he was. And I was thinking, the men and women watching this, they got to see the very picture of Jesus Christ dying on a cross. When Jesus was dying on the cross, the Bible says that he was unrecognizable at the point that he was laid on the cross. And, and, and he was lying there. And it says those who passed by blasphemed him wagging their heads saying, aha, you who, dis- you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. And then it says in Mark uh, uh, 15, uh, 31, it says, likewise, the chief priests also mocked among themselves with the scribes and said, oh, he saved others. Now uh, let him save himself. Let Christ, the king of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who crucified, uh, were being crucified with him, reviled him. And I was thinking, what a picture of the cross. Listen. Now back up. You know, back up and pause for a second and think about our Christian brother. Can you imagine him now going to one of his employees or a customer who witnessed this, and saying, "I want to share something with you." God created man perfect, but he sinned. We sinned. You sinned. I sinned against God. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the, uh, of God's glory, and 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 it says. That God is just and he's got to punish us for our sin. And the punishment for us for our sin is, is death, eternal death, as it should be. He's God and we sinned against him. But God loves us. He doesn't want us to die. He, he sent his only son into the world. And now by putting your faith in him, your trust in him, you can have eternal life. Now can you imagine... With the weight of his testimony behind them, having witnessed that incident, what that message of love is going to do to the person hearing it, can you imagine? They've already seen the picture, the, the, the picture of Jesus tying the cross in this man's life. That's why Jesus was so intense about this. A new commandment I give to you. That's why John can't stop talking about this new commandment. Love one another. It says again in verse 16, by this we know love. He laid down his life for us. Now you go do the same thing. It's going to be the picture of Jesus Christ. In the people's lives around you, every single one of you in here has people in your life who desperately need to hear that God loves them and is drawing them to himself and wants a relationship with them. So much so that he died for them and he rose from the dead in order to pour out that free gift. The next verse, verse 17, it says, but whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? In other words, it's not being willing to die or lay down your life for a brother, or sister. It's practically loving them in a practical, practical way. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed or in truth, opening up your house to a brother or sister in Christ. You know, one of the brothers in our church, I know I know I've already been kind of intense up here, but this one's not not disturbing story, but it's um it's kind of. It, it's it's a great example of this. He he is. We have a lot of a, we have a, a number of nurses and nurses assistants, and one of them was training at, at an old folks' home, and it was a place where a number of the old folks had had lost their their control of their bowels. I'll just say it, and so he had to wipe these people down and clean them up. And he used to call me and he said, you would just would not believe how much the Lord is preparing me to love people. <laughs> and then he, he called me again and a, a week later, no, no, you really wouldn't believe how God is preparing me to, to, to love and serve people." And, 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 you know, this went on and on. But that really is what this verse is talking about. Laying down your life and serving. Not willing to die, but Dying. Again, we put up the verse last week. Paul says, we always carry around in our body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Strange verse. But as you talk about these things, it makes more sense, doesn't it? You're dying for someone. You're laying your life down for them. Verse 19 says, and by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. By what? By whether or not we love people. And lay our, our, our lives down for them. That's how. By this, verse 19, we know that we're of the truth. If we're loving people. And, and then here in verse 20 and 21, uh, greatly um, misinterpreted verses. Uh, it, it, and, and of all things, I, I want to end with them. And I'll try to make them simple. But it says, but if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And knows all things, beloved, but if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Now let me try to I- I explain these two verses. Now traditionally, um, some of you who are familiar with these verses may, um, ha- may have uh, heard that what this means when he says if our heart doesn't condemn us, God is greater than our heart. You, you may have heard that um, what it means is, well, if we're under condemnation, that's not of God and God is greater than our condemnation, and he knows that we're not condemned. That's not what it's talking about at all. Uh, In fact, this particular word here from condemnation is a different word than is is used throughout the New Testament than the word uh, condemnation. This word here, it's the word, I think, paragonosko, which means against the truth. Uh, uh, What this means, it's talking about your conscience, It's saying in verse 20, if your conscience is bothering you because you're not loving someone, you better just know this God is even greater than your conscience, and he cares a lot more about the fact you're not loving each other than you do. Verse 20 says, but if our heart, uh, verse um, 21 says, "Uh, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, in other words, if we have a clear conscience, if we, if, we, if we know we've been doing our best to love, it says we have confidence toward God. Praise the Lord. Don't you want that? Confidence towards, uh, towards God, the Bible says in Hebrews that we need to enter into the place, into the throne of God with boldness and confidence, confidence to receive grace and mercy in our time of need. That is not going to happen if we have held on to bitterness into our life. Now, I speak this all to my own heart. Am I this perf- perfect, living, breathing example of, uh, uh, of, of always um, loving my brother or sister Absolutely not, but that's why I love this letter because where did it all begin? 1 John 1, and is it 8? Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness to the extent that we know full well that there is bitterness in our heart towards another Christian we can it's as easy as going to the Lord he died for it and saying you know I haven't been loving this person forgive me it's the wonderful news of this letter but this loving one another thing this loving one another thing so important so important sisters. Well, let's close now in, in worship. I could ask the uh, worship team to uh, come up. And if you've been asked to pray, we have prayer at the end of our services. Please come up. And we're just going to, to end now, uh, we'll end with a worship song, and uh, there'll be some people up here to pray, and, and, and maybe uh, something that I've said up here has been stirring in your heart, and you're thinking that you need to do some business with God and ask for that forgiveness that's freely yours. The reason that scene on the cross was so ugly is because our sin is so ugly. (laughs) And that ugliness on the cross paid for all our sins, past, present, and future. But sometimes, you know, you, me, we, our heart condemns us. Our conscience is pricking at us. The word there in verse 19, it's the word know. It knows full well that we've been holding on to something. We need to take it to the Lord. We want to be a church that loves. We want to be a church that loves one another. We want to be a church that obeys Jesus as he's calling it the new commandment. We want to be a demonstration of it. So why don't you uh, rise now for a closing worship song. If you'd like to pray, please come up. We will be up here. Before we do, I'm going to to close us uh, in prayer. And then we can just continue uh, praying and worshiping. Father, I just thank you for that picture on the cross. It says, you so loved the world, you sent your son to die for us. And now go love one another. And Lord, we know that we can only do that with Jesus living inside of us. And I pray, Lord, for anyone in this room who's never responded to the good news that Tanya presented before this message. That though they have sinned and though they have acted as an enemy of God that Jesus died for them and now He knocks on the door of their heart and says, Can I and is asking, Can I come in? If there's anyone here who's never said, Yeah, come in, Jesus, please. Lord, I pray that you draw them to a relationship with you, to salvation. Lord, everyone else, Lord, myself included, Lord, I just, just draw us into prayer now seeking you to love others like Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name.